Hello, and welcome to the Three Vice Men podcast. I'm James. I'm Dom. And I'm Matt. And together we're going on a verbal pilgrimage, taking in all things craft beer. From delicious dippers to dandelion saisons, we'll be looking at what breweries are doing well, and maybe not so well. We'll also be looking at what trends look set to take off this year, and what we're excited about, as well as delving into some of our beery stories. Most importantly though, we'll be sampling beers each episode, and giving our opinions on them, unfiltered by untapped hopefully. So join us as we journey into the world of craft beer, and whilst we may not have a new king to look for, we'll certainly be worshipping a lot of tasty beers along the way. So sit back, crack a beer, and enjoy. Welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast, back with another episode. Uh, this week, we've got a bit of an interesting topic, a little bit less exciting than last week, when, as you all know, because you've all listened to it, we had the excellent podcast with reese from beer Riff. so make sure you check that out if you haven't listened to it before but this week uh we're looking ahead to 2021 um and looking at the trends that we are predicting i can't guarantee any of them would be right some of them might be some of them would be a long way off uh but with me to get it wrong as always we've got uh dom lewis and matt waring lads how are we doing this week fantastic my mystic ball is ready mystic very ball. well thank you very is that well the left or the right one Less, less of that. It's my little paperweight. Less of that. Less of that. I realise I don't <laughs> actually introduce my own self in this, but you know, you're 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 you're, you're the three wise men host, man. You're you're a big guy, aren't you? Big Don. Big Don. Big Don. Uh, big Don. Big Don. What's your uh, what's the beer you're cracking out while we talk about these things? Uh, so the beer I am having is the No Beer Budget by Staggeringly Goods. Um, this was part of their All Killer No Filler Fridge Pack. Just want to give a big shout out to that because it was fantastic value. Mm. If you haven't uh, managed to purchase one of those, go on their website and purchase it now. Ordered it about 10 a.m. and it was there 10 a.m. the next day. So big up, staggeringly good. This is just a Citra single hot pail. I I believe the can was retailing for like £2.50. And that's why it's called No Beer Budget. That's fantastic. So it's going to be interesting to see if it tastes like a value product or if it tastes delicious. And I don't want you to answer this, uh, but could they be a brewery to watch this year? Give an unrelated word. I, I can't disclose that information right now. Matt, Fantastic. what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking uh, the Intuition Pale from Attic Brew Company, a local brewery to myself-ish uh, from Birmingham. Uh, this is their flagship beer. Uh, it says on the back of the can, the culmination of our quest to produce a session strength beer that has the flavour and body to stand up to stronger counterparts, hazy and juicy, flavours of pineapple and ripe peaches with a touch of pithy bitterness on the finish. Curtis, what's in your glass? Uh, well, I've, I've taken it all the way back to last week uh, and the wonderful pod that I'm sure everybody listening to this has now enjoyed after me bullying them in the intro. I've got full disclosure from Beeriff. Uh, it wasn't one of the ones who drank last week, uh, and all of you know that because all of you listened last week, as I've said previously. Uh, but yeah, it's it's four percent. It's a bit sessionable, but it's very sessionable. It's Galaxy, it's Citra, it's Simcoe. I'll tell you how it is later. Moving into uh, into this episode then, and talking about this episode rather than last week, as I have done for the whole of the pod so far. It promises to be a very different year to last year. Uh, hopefully, COVID gets out of the way fairly quick, or or certainly for the second half of the year and and we'll be back into venues and drinking uh drinking in venues and tap rooms and pubs and all all of those great places 
Don, I want to come to you first. Is that influence what you think is going to be some of the major trends we're going to see this year? It has to an extent. There are things that last year I didn't expect to happen. Um, and they're things that I think we might see some longer lasting effects of what happened last year. Um, obviously, it's not just COVID, but there's also Brexit to take into account. Um, and I think we might see a few a few differences uh, with that coming in, um, obviously, to trade to the European market. And that's kind of affected affected some of the picks of some of the some of the suggestions I've gone for for this year. Um, but it's made me excited more than anything um, for as bad as last year was, obviously, because of COVID and big gatherings. Um, I think there are a lot of great things that it introduced. There are a lot of different different things that breweries might not have thought possible, might not have thought that they could do. Um, and those are things that I'll be looking to, to carry on this year. Fingers crossed. OK. Uh, and if I could if I could get you to summarise that, Dom, into your first prediction that we could bullet point. Have you, have you so, got one? I do. I do have one. Um, so my first one is going to be last year we saw a trend of American beers starting to starting to come over here a bit more. It wasn't something anyone predicted, but I think it's something that a lot of people were very thankful for. And to be honest, I think it's something that's only going to grow this year. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that. I feel like before last year, some American breweries might have been a bit a bit nervous about sending their beers over here there might not have been the right paths in place like i know a lot of them were worried about cold chain and things but i think now we've kind of got cold chain down with like cloud water events and things um and also now i don't think the import charges are going to so this links into brexit i don't think the import charges for american beers are going to be as different to mainland europe as they may have been before Whereas mainland Europe, you might have been paying this. I'm just going to pick an arbitrary figure here because I have no idea. You might have been paying £5 for a case of beer and £20 for a case of beer from America. I feel like now it might be £20 from America and £15 from mainland Europe. So I think financially, those things will take its toll as well. But when you look at Cloudwater this year, their second event pack of the year is American breweries. They've managed to get Finback other half and equilibrium and they've just chucked it all into the same event look at last year they spread those out over the course of three months mm. so if it's something that's going to continue i'm excited for it what do you think it's true the market has become saturated as that, um, that is true yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they yeah like you said they've just kind of chucked all those american breweries that we were so excited to see last year we were like you know no way they've got other half event uh coming i'm definitely going to pick up those four beers no way they've got an equilibrium event i'm definitely going to pick up those four beers and they've just chucked it into one pack this year <clears throat> which i think um I'd agree. It just means that I think American beers are going to be more widely available. I picked up a bottle of Trillium yesterday from my local beer shop in Coventry. Um, and like, uh, it, it just seems to be uh, not only are your cloud waters getting more um, American influence, it's easier to pick up people like other half. They seem to be filtering down the almost crappier food chain. You can pick them up in the more independent shops uh, so if you missed out on some, uh, I know, Curse, you gave me a beer over Christmas, uh, another half beer that you said you picked up from Shoom. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to, you know, to big, Shoom. Shout outs to Shoom, you know, that great bottle shop. But um, 
but yeah, the, the, the American beers seem to be just more widely accessible. Um, I can pick up Equilibrium most times, probably when I look on the Beer Gonzo website, shout out to Beer Gonzo. Um, although definitely not shout out to the eight pound delivery they're going to charge me um, to, <laughs> to to deliver from Coventry to Leamington. Uh, uh, sorry, that's, Gonzo. Yeah, no, no shout outs there. I, I would play <laughs> devil's advocate for a little bit here and say that Cloudwater are having multiple New York breweries in one event early in the year could be because they'd already booked the shipping container for stuff coming over for friends and family. Is that is that too out there? I don't you know, think friends so. family normally in February they normally get a load of beers over. I know we queued outside of of a tap room and brewery to pick up some other half and some uh, equilibrium last year. It's not too out of the question, is it? I don't, I don't think it's out of the question. Like I think February was always going to be a big month for Cloudwater because, like you say, it's their birthday. Uh, friends and family normally normally happens this month, but for you to say that it was already in motion, I don't think it necessarily would have been. Yeah. Because I would imagine you have to book the shipping containers. Again, we have no idea. We're just plucking figures out of thin air. But I would imagine you don't have to book it more than like two months in advance. Because when you look at how fresh these beers are, mm. it's not like two months ago, everyone was super optimistic that, yeah, by February, we're going to be open again. So I think it might have made them want to bring these beers in more than they necessarily would have. But I don't think it's the driving force behind it completely and actually that they might be air freighted thinking about it now with how how fresh they are so okay that's that's uh number one pick from dom more american beers coming in as opposed to, to continental european stuff and i think that is yeah you definitely hit the nail on the head with, with tariffs there going from a free trade market to a a, a potentially a tariff barrier to, and and certainly a, a non-tariff barriers into the market will be a challenge for for cold chain shippers uh matt can i get a couple of feelings from you or on the kind of direction you see things heading and, and then a bullet point trend uh yes you can and my beer that i have selected as my first one kind of um epitomizes it almost uh, it actually says on the back of the can so this they produce a session strength beer that has the flavor and body to stand up to stronger counterparts um, which is kind of ha- we kind of maybe saw happening a bit last year, a kind of a semi-emergence of table beers, maybe these lower percentage beers that were trying to pack more flavour in, and I think that's a that's a trend that will continue into 2021. I think more breweries will look to produce beers between three and four percent, maybe rather than dippers. Uh, potentially because it's it's a challenge to produce a great beer that's low percentage um but i think with more people working from home um and then once offices start opening up again it's not going to be the same if it's a 50 50 work split people don't want to you know in the week they i suppose you know some people do they don't want to be drinking eight percent beers but they, maybe we still they still want to have taste have good beers so i think uh breweries will maybe look towards yeah brewing low, lower abv beers but trying to pack more punch with less percentage almost i think that's a a trend that will emerge through 2021 i, I think we you've probably right there with with kind of lower lower abv stuff being the, the trend of the year i think we're probably for the first quarter i think we're, we're going to see big stuff i know that 
Polly's have released a, a quad, quadruple IPA for for fun, and and uh, Day have released their first triple IPA, and I think that trend will still go on. How long it will live for, I don't think it will live for that long. I think people are going to get tired pretty soon of of these big, high strength, high high uh, cost beers, and I think cost will certainly be a driver, especially for your independent bottle shops, but I think we're going to see trade swinging back to a bit more from the sort of direct from brewery online sales. And I think if you, if you're a bottle shop and you've got, you know, it's not, it's not massively hyped because there's loads of them out there and you've got a eight pounds, nine pounds, 10 pounds, 10% super hazy, super hoppy New England IPA or triple IPA sitting on your shelf and your fridge becoming less valuable by the week because people value the freshness i think you're gonna not but you're not gonna buy the next case if it sits there and that'll kill that trend pretty quickly in my eyes yeah i think so like you say with the hops fading fast it's the sort of people you're pitching those high-end like expensive beers to are the sort of people that like you say really value that stuff almost fetishize it yeah exactly it might be like oh look at them, they'll really appreciate that we've got this bottle of Pliny the Elder in, but it's Pliny the Elder that's six weeks old. And if they're really keen on Pliny, they'll know that it drops off so much after the first like three weeks, it doesn't taste as good. So then they wouldn't be willing to part with it. You kind of need those six to eight pound beers. And I think that's probably where the biggest market is, is where you have the people that want to try, they, they've, they've dipped their They've dipped their toes in the water. They've got the little, the little frothy foam, but they uh, they want to dive further into the pint. Um, and I think that's where the six to eight six to eight pound beers have their market. But anything above that, and you've got to be a serious beer nerd to to appreciate it. I think. So, and that actually leads quite nicely into the first point that I was going to make. Of I think, I think for the last few years we've we've seen a kind of upward trend and upward mobility in the kind of knowledge of the average craft drinker. Uh, and I kind of think we epitomise this slightly. I think we might be slightly ahead of the general populist curve, uh, but not that far ahead. And I think over over time, you've seen that, you know, sours have become more popular as people start to like the taste and the ABV of beers has slowly jumped up. And the, the kind of general market is, is a more informed drinker. I think we might find that, in 2020 a lot of people dipped their toes in uh, and and started on their craft journey with not going out to pubs and bars and and paying what you'd pay for a pint of normal stuff but spending the same money at home on a a tasting set for a a virtual tasting from their local brewery or or that kind of stuff and and really getting into the journey for the start so i think the kind of low abv slightly cheaper end of the scale is probably a great commercial place to be for for those people looking to branch out from their local local to maybe their regional local if that makes sense so i know matt mentioned like the lower abv strength of the spectrum there and like table beers so last night i was having a table beer and it got me thinking i was like we're gonna see a lot more traditional styles this year i think um last year we saw bitters turn from something the old man drinks at the bar when he can't really stand up himself into something not sexy but something that a few breweries want to try because i remember how disappointed we were seeing that northern monk and other half when they collabed together they were like let's do a bitter 
Um, but I think it shows that there a lot of craft breweries are starting to jump back into the archives almost. They're starting to see beers that used to be brewed and bringing them back. Like I saw a, a mild or a dark mild brewed the other day. Um, Wylam have released a few brown beers. Obviously, Newcastle Brown Ale might have something to do with that. But still, it's bringing these older styles into into 2020 and 2021 so i think it might be something that we start to see a bit more a bit more of these traditional recipes brought back and maybe built upon i don't know what you guys think about that would you be interested in drinking them either completely off the traditional recipe or with a little spin on it i i'll agree with you i think there's definitely a place to go once once people you know run out of ways to sell an ipa uh and run out of kind of citrus fruits and and exotic fruits that you're not quite sure if they're a fruit or if they've just put fruit at the end of a, a different word. I'm looking at stone fruit. Um, Dragon fruit. <laughs> uh, <Dragon> fruit. <laughs> I mean, I think jackfruit is is veganuary, but it could be craft beer. I'm not quite sure. Um, give it a year. G- give it a year. It will be in a tin in Aldi. <laughs> And I don't know which kind of tin. I, I think that, yeah, traditional styles is definitely a growth phase. It's definitely, people are going to start going back to it. I don't necessarily think you'll find it in pubs, but you'll definitely find it in cans. Going, sort of almost referring back to a previous point of yours of, of difficulty of beers coming over here from Europe. I think we're going to see a rise in sort of European and certainly Belgium styles that are being brewed from UK breweries. Now the playing field is a little bit more uneven and, uh, consumers can't say why would i try your lambic or your lambic knockoff that's not a lambic when i can actually just get a lambic from belgium or or why would i you know start with get a saison from you when i can go and get an authentic one or or one of these other sort of saisons and and uh, vices and, and whip beers and all of that that kind of heritage that we've we've overlooked in the past because you know, maybe we don't have the brewing conditions to brew it low tech, or maybe we there isn't the demand in pubs. Now that the demand is there for cans, and uh, all these breweries are still looking for a creative outlet that maybe the words hazy and fruity don't cover. Uh, I think that's definitely a, a growth area we could see. Dom, you yeah. like, you've got thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so. I think we've all been lucky enough to drink uh, St. Mars of the Desert over the Christmas periods that Matt was mm. sorting us out with. Um, and I believe it was a Belgian. They do a few different Belgian style beers. Um, and I think that's where the growth could be in Belgian style beers, because like you say, you might not want to bring in the actual beer, mm. but if you can have a style version brewed in the UK, then that will cover it. I still think that you mentioned the lambics there. I still think Cantillon and Drefontaine, they're still they're still going to be yeah, you're still going to be reaching for them. You know, I, I was probably wrong to bring those up, and I probably should have gone with a, a double or a, a triple or a quad, and and yeah, the, the, maybe the easier replicable that aren't as as dependent on location and heritage of your brewing equipment. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So not just jumping on your lambic point but if you have a quad brewed by a uk brewery that's maybe six pounds or you could get um like a 
Vesplateran, maybe not the 12, because obviously that's too rowdy, but a Vesplateran 8 or something, if mm. you could get that for £9, I think people will still trend towards the actual version. So I think there will be some growth in that market. But would you um, see if it was, uh, yeah, and I, I take your point that people are going to take the brand name of the West Rolletteran or, uh, or, or those kind of breweries over just a, an unknown nine pound quad but would you would you say if you know if a northern monk or a or a cloud water release that you think people who wouldn't necessarily consider buying one of those dusty bottles in a bottle shop might jump on the latest cloud water or northern monk release of the same beer the thing that's amazing about craft beer and the thing that can sometimes be a little bit difficult is people are always they always want to try the new thing it's like it's fomo FOMO is massive in craft beer. It's like, okay, Cloudwater released this. I didn't drink it. What's my life come to? And then you're frantically checking on tap to make sure that it doesn't have like a rowdy average or anything. Equally with the same hand with that, I think breweries need to respect tradition almost. So I would be happy with UK breweries going back to like traditional UK recipes. But if it's like a Belgian recipe that comes from monasteries and things i think they've got to be very careful not to bastardize those it's it's a tough one isn't it uh, i think there'll definitely be more belgian beers in the uk in 2020 whether they'll come from belgium or not 2021 2021 is the year we're in that's correct so i've i'm uh, i'm living in the past i'm delusional um i want to be the last year um uh, also, let us know on our Instagram if you think we should do a, a Belgium episode or a series of Belgium episodes where we try some of these styles that we've been discussing and maybe educate ourselves. Uh, if you think we, we're getting we, them we would also love to, to to one day possibly have this episode in Belgium. So, uh, yeah, if, if you'd like us to record in Belgium as well, um, if you could sort out the global pandemic, that would be much appreciated. So that that's an interesting point, actually. Um, Matt, you're kind of queued up to go after this. I hope your point is also as interesting. Or um, good luck, mate. Uh, it kind of kind of links in that uh, I think last year I maybe noticed more maybe pilsners and coming coming through the UK. Cloudwater have done a couple of pilsners. Like sometimes you'll you'll see a. Um, a beer on Premier Hop or, or wherever, um, whatever website you're on, and you're checking out and tapped, and you'll think, okay, it's a pilsner, you know. And you, I didn't know that brewery had that brewery had had, had brewed a pilsner, um, but it all kind of links to, with what Don was saying and the fact that um, will the UK breweries be able to brew pilsners as well as the Czech Republic or as Germany? Um, Probably not, but I think pilsners as a style are probably may maybe. I mean, I've never brewed a beer apart from the Thurisman collab, um, but um, I think pilsners are maybe more easier to get to more towards the traditional style rather than lambics or quads. So I'm just saying maybe pilsners will come. Maybe this will be a maybe it'll be a more. Uh, like it'll be cheeky cheeky pilsner or yeah i'll have a maybe pilsner's become sexy this year who knows the sexy cheeky pilsner for 2021 
<laughs> I don't know what you guys think about that. Did you did you this, notice more Pilsners coming in? Maybe I was naive to how well yeah, they did before that. There are there are a couple of things on this. So I watched or I saw on Instagram about Craft Beer Channel saying this is the year of the Pilsner. But then equally, I saw someone comment below it saying you've been saying that for the last three years. I have been saying that for the last three years. So it's something that I would love to see more, but especially after speaking to Reese last week and getting a brewer's perspective on it. Um, it's always something that's going to be stigmatized in the mm. craft beer scene. Even if you get really good Pilsners, like I appreciate what you're saying. I think last year with the rise of Don Zoko and um, Lost and Grounded, we've seen a few breweries that they've shown we can make Pilsners and we can make them bloody delicious. Mm. Um, we can go into that lager scene and change it for you and you're going to enjoy it um, I think they've shown that it is possible but I think it's still going to be a while before they'll be spoken of in the same sentence as your hazy IPAs like I think they're still going to be that little bit of but I, I don't craft it, I don't drink lagers I, it's, it's a tough one isn't it because the a pilsner is great but a lot of what makes a Pilsner great is the setting and how it's served. Moving vast quantities of high-quality Pilsner and, and serving it well isn't particularly easy or economical. Uh, and when you're putting it side-by-side side with a, a very cheap lager that also can carry the name Pilsner, it's uh, it's pretty hard commercial sale, certainly in venues. I, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to go to the Czech Republic in 2019, uh, which feels like last year, even though it, it wasn't. Uh, and I had some like some bloody fantastic pilsners and had a great time. So I would love to see that come back just for the memory. Matt, I know that you, you brought the, you brought it up a little bit. I'm going to counter to you that there are going to be a few breweries doing pilsners and lagers very well, but not most of them. I probably yeah, I can I can see that I can see that for sure. But um, I just feel like last year I noticed a, like a, maybe a few more dip their toe in or i i just didn't realize they had brewed it so maybe i was being uh maybe i was a bit naive to the diversity of some breweries um i just noticed it a bit more but um, i think you're right that you will see maybe uh just yeah a few breweries maybe doing pilsners very well but um maybe on the whole not being a trend for the well, year John, i mean John's... this this is the challenge laid down right here every brewery who listens to this and i believe that is every brewery please brew your best pilsners and take them to matt's pilsner festival which is going to be held in 2023 2023 there we go um get ready for the greatest pilsner festival on earth uh, so as we come towards the end of part one now uh probably wise to reflect on the beers we've been drinking before they're fully drunk uh matt i know you've uh, you've been sampling some of birmingham's finest How's it? How's it gone down? It's gone down very well. Yeah, very, very well. Uh, really, just great uh, peachy flavour to it. Um, like I said, four point four percent, not massive, um, but it, just a really nice, really nice beer. Very easy drinking. Could just definitely knock back three of them in a work evening, maybe, and uh, hopefully not wake up with a headache. But yeah, I think uh, Attic Brewing Company Intuition Pale could be. The working man's working from home beer in the evening. Uh, Curtis, how was your beer? Definitely one to watch then. Uh, yeah, full disclosure from Beeriff. Uh, full disclosure, it's quite a nice pale. Obviously, we are we are friends with Beeriff. They're now, I believe, we can call them 
friends of the show no it's uh it does what it says on the tin it's uh it's it's a pale ale it's sessionable uh it's got enough flavor in there that when you want to think about what it tastes like it tastes nice when you don't want to think about what it tastes like it goes down very easily yeah shout out to reese and the team over there dom i know you've uh you've been wanting to tell us in great detail and flowing metaphors about this beer so now's your chance mate it's as silky as the road between Azerbaijan and mainland India. Maybe. Love it. Is that um, a simile? I don't know. Oh, it was a metaphor. A I was, I was... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it was a simile. Simile is like as. Yeah, no, that was, that, was, that was a bloody good simile my mind just thought of. Yeah. Um, but no, this is, this is a lovely, easy drinking pale. Um, Citri comes through. Paleness comes through. It's a 4.2% pale ale with citra. What more do you want? I've had a lovely time drinking it and I would drink it again. Make sure you're with us to stay tuned for part two. Uh, enjoy the jingle. <laughs> they drink beer, so much beer. All of the different types of beer. They drink beer, lots of beer. It's beer. Lads, we're back in part two. Uh, we've got some exciting beers. More exciting beers than part one, really. We don't really know how to podcast yet, even still. We've, we've got a few more trends to talk about, as well as a few kind of... Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna tempt out of you some predictions for top new breweries. So uh, hopefully you've got that on lock and uh, know what you're going to say. Otherwise, this is your seven-minute warning, probably. Beer number two, then, of the night, or of the pod, at least... Um, I'm going to start off because I think I've probably got the least interesting beer here. Although I have followed the um, the, le- the the lead of Dom earlier from uh, staggeringly good down in, in Portsmouth, are they? Yeah, in Portsmouth. Uh, it, I've yeah. gone with Sourropod on their dinosaur theme. Great glasses, by the way, from their from their pack. It is a pyre and lychee uh, kettle sour. I'll be honest, I've been drinking this for a while. We kind of waited a bit before starting recording the second half of this uh very sour very fruity very nice you've heard enough of me already matt wearing there's a big beer on your desk in your glass in a can please tell me more about it uh yes you're not wrong curtis there's a big beer in my glass it is the uh long awaited tipper from daya uh their first tipper routine bites hard uh, straight away, as soon as I cracked the can, just got the just aroma. It was just boozy and orangey, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's tasting as Daya does. It's just like well, uh, we'll look forward to the end of this podcast uh, for your full review. So make sure you keep listening to know what one of the most hyped beers of the year tastes like. Don't want to give it away too early, Matt. Come on. Uh, Dom, uh, hopefully you can beat that with a, a more hypey beer. Obviously, if you don't, um, you're editing this, so I'm sure you're going to put in a better one. So what have you got? Um, so my beer has been poured into an emperor glass, and I'm hoping the beer that I've poured into it does it justice. I've gone with Cloudwater, the Persistence is Utile Imperial Stout, Bitter Chocolate Edition. This is a beer that we has the regular version together. Yep. Um, I've had this version sat in my cupboard for a while. And I was going through today thinking, 
I'd love a stout this evening. And I saw the best before date on this. It's the 31st of January, 2021. Wow. What a time to crack into it. And it's as delicious as the original, to be honest, from my first few sips. Um, uh, so, so again, I'll be looking we'll, forward to this. We'll wait for the full review for the end of the pod. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, we're still looking at predictions for 2021 and not 2020, as I keep saying, but 2021. There are a few points we mentioned earlier that you might have contention with. Make sure if you disagree that you argue with us on our Instagram account. Don't forget to follow us at Three Vice Men on Instagram. Hopefully we can give a few maybe less controversial opinions, maybe more controversial. I don't know if we want the hate or not. I've got one, so I'll start off. I think that after 2020, there is still going to be some trepidation about going out into mass venues, even with things opening up. I think that there might be an initial rush of people going out and and uh, enjoying themselves, but I think there will be some hesitation from certain camps. So I am predicting, as a trend for 2021, more events at bars to draw people out i'm talking tap takeovers i'm talking about showcases i'm talking about interesting maybe hypey beers that you can't get in cans but can only get at certain venues dom matt am i wrong am i mental am i on the right track i think you're definitely on the money with some of the um with some of the big big festivals i don't think the big festivals are going to take place for a while unfortunately and i think some of the smaller fest not festivals but some of the smaller events like you mentioned like getting people into bars i think we're just going to see a growth in the events that we coined from last year i think the events is going to grow did, did um, we coin that actually was that i think we did coin it i don't think i'd heard it anywhere <laughs> other than uh three vice men's podcast so I think the event sector is going to be massive next year. Um, I've already seen a few like virtual tastings. I've seen a few breweries have got virtual brewery tours. And I think this is something that's going to feel like the stopgap with craft beer drinkers. They still, they still want to feel close to the brewery. And these, these are going to be good ways of doing that. Um, I'm all for the big events opening up. Like I know we've got tickets to the McKellar beer celebration um already been postponed to october and to be honest i'm kind of glad about that because it means that they can make it as big as it deserves to be mm. um i think one of the worst things that could happen this year is people trying to rush events too early i don't want to stifle the appetite for these big events but equally i hope that these big events have a plan b in the pocket because i don't want the special things like the collaborations and things that could have only happened for the festival i don't want those to stop but maybe if they can do like a six pack instead i would be just as excited to drink those that's a good point actually and i think that the commercial opportunities that are afforded by first falls both for exposure and learning that come through collabs after festivals i think are an important part of the kind of craft beer scene and and the growth that we've seen both in in number of, of quality breweries and in quality of, of breweries is is testament to that learning matt i know you're a big fan of getting out getting to the taps talking to the brewers do you think that kind of engagement is something we've retained in 2020 is that is that something that they could do better in 21 
I think it's something that was retained to an extent in 2020 for sure. Um, I mean, you know, all three of us sat in on a, on an event with um, Dea and, and Verdon and Polly's and Neon Raptor, um, you know, all discussing, you know, discussing all things beer, uh, which was good. And that, that was actually an exposure that we might not have even received potentially in the tap room would we have met those people from Verdant, would we have met the head brewer from Dea in the tap room? Um, you, you know, maybe we would have done, but maybe we wouldn't know who they were. Um, mm. So I think that ex- maybe exposed them to us more than if it, it had been, you know, if COVID hadn't existed. So that's a good thing. And I think that will continue in, in, in 2021, especially if we, if we stay in lockdown. Uh, I think, the, you know, Cloudwater's events uh, will, will, will carry on going on. So yeah, in, in 2021, I think it will carry on. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're a good thing. I, I don't really have anywhere else to, to go with that, to be honest. No, I, I, no, that's fair enough. I think the big question with these is, do you want to see them continue? Even when, say, 2022, when hopefully um, we're all vaccinated and can actually go out to pubs and enjoy these tap takeovers and things. Do you want to see these events run alongside them as well? I, I think that's a that's a perfectly reasonable explanation. I, I you know, I've I've spent time living away from major beer hubs where, you know, you can't nip into a for a bar for a, a tap takeover. Or you can't, you know, go and pick up the latest can that you can only get in in the bottle shop or, or the tap room. And that that is potentially for me the the greatest democratization of, of beer that we could potentially have and. You have these brilliant tap takeovers that historically we've had, or these you know, these events where uh, you know brewers will will come and you'll you'll sit in a bar and you'll try some of their beers and they'll chat to you and you can ask your questions. Those events can still happen. You get a camera at the back, you live stream it. Maybe you're watching online. You bought an event pack. You can't ask a question, but there's people in the room asking the questions, enjoying the live atmosphere. But you're in your house in the country because you go out of the city when you could maybe maybe that's the way things go forwards and maybe that's the experience that these guys have learned through hosting these events through covid and through 2020 that it, it kind of opens up the floor for people who don't necessarily live within a taxi ride of a, a tap room so building on from how much we've enjoyed virtual events in 20 in 2020 i think that what we might see more in 2021 is some of these virtual collabs um, so I know before you maybe if a UK brewery had a beer that came out with an American brewery, it would be a massive deal. Um, but I'm hoping that there'll be more collaboration between breweries that are quite far apart in 2021. Um, basically, just because logistically, I imagine it can be quite difficult to say, yep, we're going to have this four hour flight to the UK we're gonna brew with these people for three days and then we're gonna fly back to wherever there's obviously quite a big expense that comes with that but if you can have the same brew day but virtually so say you're on zoom or something during during it happening and you can be like oh no what are you doing chucking some more hops what are you doing with that no change it the mass temperature is too high the mass temperature is too high like if you can have some of these going on i think you might see some more varied collaborations than you maybe would have if these were taking place in person is that is that less interesting for a brewer though of 
uh, uh, you know, I'm speaking from personal experience of someone who it meets a lot of people normally, uh, and then has transitioned to meeting a lot of people in Teams calls. There's a kind of joy and or, or not joy, but personal connection you get through meeting in person, and the benefit to you is it's a bit more exciting and it's it's you know you're not just providing your brain you're also getting you know whether you're having a bit a bit of lunch or or a, a coffee with someone there's a bit more to it than just the sharing of knowledge it's a, a personal connection it's a enjoyment that is taken away through a virtual virtual collab and it becomes a bit of a marketing exercise yeah i i mean i do completely agree with that point of view don't get me wrong but equally if you're a relatively small brewery in the US and you love a relatively small brewery in the UK mm. before you might not have had the capital or the, the time to be able to say, right, I'm going to leave my brew kit for two weeks to go and do something with this brewery that I love. Yeah. But if you can be doing your brewing alongside, okay, I'm going to have to give six hours of my day to, make sure this parallel turns out phenomenal mm. i think then that might be a a lot likely a more a more likely scenario to happen i'm not saying from this year i expect suddenly cloud war to have a treehouse collab come out like that, that that's not what i'm expecting from virtual brew days although that would iq be, iq that would be bloody lovely um but i think it would be nice if we started to see i know craft breweries craft the craft beer scene is very good for this anyway. Like it's very collaborative, but if we can see that grow without the constraints of having to be there in person, that's something I'm all for. Uh, collabs are much more than, than a collab. It's, it's a personal interaction. Uh, I feel like uh, maybe zoom collab could be a bit awkward. Potentially um, maybe there's not a status issue with breweries, but there might be egos with brewers. I don't know too much about it, but it, it could get awkward. It could get, I know more than you, uh, you're doing it wrong. I'm doing it right. I, I know collabs are supposed to like fusion that, but I don't know in my head, that's how I kind of see it going. Mm. Whereas in a personal scenario, I think that element's kind of taken away a bit um, because it's not just, it's not work related. It's almost like a social interaction. It's, it's kind of a friendly environment. It's a, uh, it's two maybe two friends working together rather than than um, everything's than easier two... when you're drinking beer together. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay, so those are our 2021 predictions. Uh, just so you can make your own mind up of how well they're going to be, uh, we're just going to do a quick review of our 2020 predictions and see how they turned out. Now, the first one that we talked about were seltzers. And I know, Dom, you were very keen on these, having spent a bit of time in the US, um, where I believe you visited a couple of breweries that you may may not have told us about. But seltzers were a big thing you brought back from that. How do we think they've landed? So you can buy seltzers in Tesco's now. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think that shows how far seltzers have come because when we recorded our predictions for 2020, which obviously was in 2015. Yeah, I, I think I think it may have been early early 2016. Um, no one had heard of seltzers. Like we weren't even sure what a seltzer was. Like so, I think the fact that a few different places have done a seltzer now, like. 
I know Brewdog have done seltzers. Um, we've seen a few American companies come over, like White Floors here, Mike's Hard Seltzers, they're over here. Um, but also, you look at Copperberg. Copperberg have a seltzer now. And they're obviously quite a, quite a big, they're obviously not a brewery, but they're big in the alcohol cider industry. And they have, they have a seltzer. So I think it shows that there's merit to it. Um, seltzers are gaining traction. I think we touched upon it before. It might have been kind of killed by the fact that none, none of us were in beer gardens this summer. Mm. Um, so I think when it's definitely a social drink, so as we're potentially allowed out, I think that sector might grow again. So I don't think it was a terrible call. I would, not, I would not the worst that, call. I, I think would we rate call... the prediction a six out of ten. I yeah, I'd call it six out of ten, I, and I'd call mitigating circumstances. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. Uh, another call we made that potentially isn't of uh, of the six out of ten variety is the the stubby, and that's not a short bottle of French lager, but a a two hundred and fifty mil can for easier consumption of heavier beers. Now, uh, I don't want to preemptively uh, jump in on on your guys' analysis of this, but I think the only beer i can think of that was potentially sold in under a 330 mil can was the uh brew dog super super strong beer that sold out for about 30 quid in 110 mils uh, have i got it as wrong as as i as i think matt did we get it as wrong as i think matt yeah yeah we, we did get it pretty wrong um i think i've seen a few breweries do smaller cans uh, i know a munzen uh, brewery do some smaller uh, is it their dessert in a can mm. series that they do um, well, I think that's still 330s in... to be fair yeah 330 is it I thought that might have yeah. been 250s no. it, w- it would it would have fucking worked for us if it was we'd be able to get out of that there <laughs> if we had done that um, well yeah no then even not even a Munson we we did call it very wrong then uh, to, to be honest um, people just love them calories uh, obviously Tom, um, do you think so, do you think there's still a, a do, you, do you think our, our prediction still has merit? Is there still a, an advantage for canning in that, or did we just get it completely wrong and we should be exiled? So I think our reasoning for it last year was justified. How it was, people would want to consume these big beers in smaller versions in their home and not feel so guilty about it. Mm. Um, because I feel if you have a two fifty mil of like a 12% beer it's obviously only going to be x number of units and x number of calories compared to a big 440 um it obviously didn't didn't kind of come to fruition as much um i have no so a couple of weeks ago evil twin released a northern barrel series those were in 250 mils one issue with it i've seen them on our shores and it cost 20 pounds per 250 mil can which I think is going to be a bit of a sticking point for quite a lot of people. I'm going to call that a no. Um, yeah. I think well, one of the problems we might have had with our prediction, and, and maybe we should ask this to Reese last week, was that canning lines and their adaptability and whether it's easy to switch between a, a 440 or yeah. a 330 and a 250 or whether it just makes economic sense to put them all into the same size can. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those where we can put it down as a learning experience. I think the idea and the thought behind it was sound, especially with last year, because yeah. I know we've bought a lot of bottles together 
in the hope of sharing them eventually one day. So the 250 mil will come in that stopgap. You'd be like, okay, I know I won't be able to share this with my friends in six months time. So I'll grab one for myself to enjoy in a month's time. Mm. So I think the thinking behind it was good, but the execution from the breweries that have let us down, I think them ruining it for us. It is the industry that's failed us here rather than us mispredicting a trend. I think, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. But taking everything into account, I think it's a three out of 10 prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's I fair think, enough. I think you might be slightly generous there. <laughs> uh, um, with your generosity, Tom, I will let you introduce the third trend that we'd pick. I think the fact that the third trend we've picked is something that Matt's picked upon again this evening shows that it's something that has some merit to it. So it's the low calorie, low alcohol section. Um, I think this is something that, despite everything going on against it, showed quite a lot of growth in 2020. Um, Matt, I think you'll concur, will just continue to grow in 2021. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do think it will continue to grow in 2021. I just think that, I don't know, everything's kind of been, you kind of been stopped. You can't exercise with groups of people now. I don't know. I feel like there's there's sometimes there's not really a middle ground at the moment there's people that enjoy eight percent beers and just like them and then there's some people who are like yo i literally cycle everywhere now uh and i just drink no alcohol beers uh because i still enjoy beers but i don't want the alcohol because i'm cycling 100k in the morning because i don't know it's it's a bit of a bit of a weird one but I, I think that trend will continue in 2021 and people look to it as an option and um i just think i are like a couple of weeks ago we did the um the dry january episode and like i went to tesco's you went to sainsbury's and you said the selections weren't great i think by this time next year i could be really wrong the selections will be a lot better yeah i i mean i, I definitely think it was a solid Solid 7.5 out of 10 prediction from us from last year. So there you have it. We're, we're up in the kind of 17, 18, 18 out of 30 for our, our three predictions this year. Let us know in the comments on our Instagram of just a random, just you know, any post, probably one from like six weeks ago. So we, we won't confuse it with any other posts out of our five or six predictions for, for this year. How well you think we'll do? Just comment a number probably under 60 we'll, we'll know what you mean <laughs> and we'll review those these the predictions we've made this episode at the start of next year um if the world hasn't imploded by then so we've got one more question or one more question that i'm going to ask to to you lads right now potentially the highest value question because if we get this right we can definitely get them on the pod otherwise uh they're going to ignore us because we didn't think about them. Uh, and that question is, who do you think are the breakout breweries of 2021? I feel like uh, Dom will want to say this one as well. But I think <laughs> Beak Brewery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, uh, I 100% back Beak. From Sussex. Um, I know they've got quite a good area they brew in. Uh, it's got some a nice cliff backdrop, and I think they're just they're doing a variety of beers. They've really nailed down on a um, table beer, um, I think called Lulla, potentially. 
as their table beer that they've already nailed. Uh, so yeah, beat. I'm going to back Attic as well. Um, the brewery I had from the, the first half. Um, I think they're really going to have a good year. Well, we'll move on then. Dom, uh, in, in as many words as Matt, can you uh, pick anyone different or are you going to concur? Um, so I, I, do, I do agree with Matt's pick. I think Matt's picks. I think um, Beak are going to be really good. What I've had from them has been delicious. Um, they've done they've done well in some like end of year rankings in 2020. A lot of people enjoyed a lot of their pale ales, and I think that's the market they're going to continue to tap into. Um, I think Glasshouse Beer Company, based in Birmingham, they're one that I've had their beer a couple of times and really enjoyed it. And I placed an order today because they've recently done their first canning run and I think their canning run is something that's going to continue to grow in 2021 so I'm excited about that um again focusing on mostly like hazy pale beers but they've got the odd sour thrown in there like some tart pails as well so I'm excited to see how they do uh Merakai Brewery based in Bristol super new what i've heard from them has been really good again they've done like an ipa a double ipa people seem to have enjoyed them so they're one i'm going to be keeping an eye on flock that i know matt had just before christmas based in margate the ipas and hazy beers they do is really good then on the other end of the spectrum one that's maybe not a breakout but i think it's going to have a big 2021 is emperor we've mentioned them before on the podcast we've loved his beers as he scales up I think it's going to be fantastic for him. But then one that's based in darker beers is Loki Barrel Projects. Um, he's got a bunch of collaborations lined up this year. He's collaborating with Emperor. He's collaborating with uh, Cult of Oak, I think it is, which is like another mm. new one. So he's doing a lot of basically focused on what beer do you do? Okay, let's put it in this barrel and then let's release it. So... I think is going to be a lot of heavy hitters from him and I'm excited to see if not this year, then next year from them. I, I think they're definitely going to be the the most hyped brewery of 2021. I think that, that certainly with the stuff we've seen from Cold Oak coming out this year or this year is 2021, but last year uh, and the kind of recognition from enough people because it's, it's super know small it, stuff. Sort of enough thing. people who know about it know that this is this is a big deal. And I think that you're definitely right there. There's going to be some uh, very, very hypey releases for uh, those in the know and those who don't mind clicking refresh quite a lot on certain web shops. If I was going to jump in, and I probably should because I've asked you two to, to stick it all on the line, I'm going to go, again, not a massive breakout. We've had, I've had some of the beers on the pod. I think th- uh, Three Hills are going to really jump into the kind of next level of recognition this year what surprised me about three hills is what i've heard so when you initially drank them it was kind of more their hazy stuff yeah um but i've seen now more recently people have been hyping up their mps and their darker bits maybe no so big things in the dark in the dark series. yeah the the pavok of yeah. pavk series so it's going to be interesting to see if that continues. And I, I can definitely see in 2021, Three Hills jumping into the kind of Neon Raptor, Pentrich level of hype that we've seen this year. All the better for it. These guys do do great stuff and they've been brewing great beer for a while now. Other predictions I'm going to make, 
uh, staggeringly good. I think we'll we'll have a, a great year. We had two of their beers on, on this this week's pod, so they're obviously doing something right. A lot of that comes down to smart marketing, which I think is going to be a key thing in, in the twenty twenty one marketplace. Because like at the end of the day, here's a market with everyone's competing for for great graphics on beer cans that get picked out of bottle shops and and do well and you know it's all very well having great beer but someone's got to try it to tell other people that it tastes nice uh, and i think these guys do a great job of that and will be able to uh, get themselves in front of a, a wide variety of audiences in 2021 the other prediction i've got is that there's going to be a bit more of a local focus there's enough knowledge out there in the marketplace now and i think there's going to be enough people who have got into trouble uh in 2020 that have sold their brew kit that there's going to be a lot of of guys who have uh, been making good beer for a while who have maybe upgraded on a cheap upgrade cycle and managed to uh, get some brew kit where they can be really consistent and really hone their craft. And I think the kind of local and community feel that came out of 2020 is going to end up with a lot of people having some real hometown heroes that they uh, that they're going to get involved with and uh, word of mouth out to a, to a regional sustainable audience. I think we, we've named quite a few there. So uh, hopefully we've picked a few winners amongst those. And I know that we could all have agreed with some of our other choices. So um, don't get angry if an individual person didn't mention one of your favourites. Uh, if there's anyone we've forgotten, make sure you let us know about it because obviously we'd like to try it and we'd like to talk about it. Uh, and if there's any of those people who think we should get on and talk to about some of the brews and some of the interesting beer that they're brewing in the next 20, 12 months, 24 months, Again, we'd love to hear it. A sour pod from Staggeringly Good. It's an ice kettle sour. The lychee, I think, is probably an element in beer I've maybe not had too much before. It's got a little bit of a tickle at the end of it. I'm having a good time. Uh, pretty pulpy, so that's uh, always a good sign for me, which is probably the inverse of what it should be. But at 5.7%, I don't mind. And in a fridge pack that cost me less than it should have done, good on them. Keep brewing that stuff. I'll uh, I'll see more from the 2021. Uh, we'll stick with the light side. Matt, you've got a triple IPA in your glass. Uh, last time I checked untapped, it was sitting at about 4.5. Is that is that where it sits? Is that where it should sit? It's it's unbelievable. I look at the can. Yeah. I see a pillow. Uh, and it's it's literally... it says dead, is it? The pit the pillow. <laughs> The pillow says Dea. It's it's so. I mean, we know Dea beers. We know they're literally they're pillowy, soft Dea fruity beers. They're beautiful, and a ten percent beer. I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking. I'm waiting for the hot burn. I'm waiting for the burn on my throat. I had a a tipper from Cloudwater a few weeks ago, and it was a great beer. I did get a bit of hot burn from it. I thought. There's none of that with this. It's, Which it's one was that so, from Cloudwater? It, it, the, the one with the bird on the front? <laughs> uh, you had this on the pod, the realist. Was it the realist? It was the realist. Yes, it was the realist. It and you think this is, this is better realist, than though. the realist? Yes, I think so, in my opinion. Wow. Very first I, first. Wow. I think it's soft. Curse has got his head in his hands for those it's, that can't see us. It's just, it's just, it's orange. It's, it's, it's beautiful crafted. It's, it's, it's still, it's got the day of trademark pillowiness. 
in a 10% beer. They say routine bites hard. Routine does bite hard. You wake up at the same time every day. You go to sleep at the same time every day. Um, and just shout outs today on a, on a beautiful beer. Uh, I, I, hopefully you can drink this, that, that beer every day. I, I don't know what that would say about you if you were drinking 10% tippers every day. You're living um, the dream is what that says. Is that, is that If it's better than the realist, that's that's what it's saying. It's it's a fantastic beer. It's 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 a well crafted beer. Um, well, I will be Dom, trying to get my hands on that as much as possible. Then, how how's the stout in your glass? I mean, it is. It's on the on the opposite end of the spectrum to what you guys have been drinking. It's quite nice. It's quite refreshing that we've had a sour, a tipper, and an impy stout. Um, this is definitely. You're going to the cinema at home. You've bought oh. some toffee popcorn, some nice butter kissed. Um, and then on top of it, you've just you've just poured some chocolate sauce. Of course. You know? And then you've mixed it all together. Yeah. Chucked it in the microwave. Bang, you bring Whoa. it out. You've got your nice chocolatey, toffee popcorn-y. And you're like munging away. Then on the side, you've got a little shot of whiskey. And you're just you're just munging, you're munging on this sweet and chocolatey, toffee popcorny, and then you get the little bit of alcohol on the back that reminds you, hey, this is Dunkirk. It's a serious film. I'm enjoying it, <laughs> you know. It's got like a nice thickness to it. It's got a nice body to it. Um, yeah, Cl- Cloudwater are one of the few breweries in the UK that I think they could turn their hand to anything. They've picked an MP start today. And they've definitely done it justice. And, and worthy of the glass that you're drinking from? Oh, 100%. I feel like Damien at the Emperor would be very happy with what they've done here. Well, so, uh, yeah. thanks for that review, James Acaster. I hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, with our predictions for 2021. Uh, obviously, make sure to let us know if we are wrong. Hopefully, you've uh, listened to this and enjoyed it. And also listened to last week's episode, which we had Reese from Beer Riff on. If there are, again... Any other breweries you think we should talk to and try their beer while talking to their face and let us know who they are and who we should talk to. Next week, we've got a great episode for you, uh, but I won't tell you what it is because I don't know at the moment. So uh, make sure you stick tight for that. Uh, Lads, it's been a pleasure as always recording with you. Dom, Matt, have a great night and uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, everyone.